0: I get the uh, the privilege of introducing our guest speaker today. Uh, she is. Not a, uh, uh, this is the fourth time that she's come to the house. And uh, she has become a very, uh, uh, she is a trusted voice in our world. Uh, Nicole and I call her Mama C. We uh, have been on this journey for a while now. And uh, in the initial days, the first time that we met, it was total divine alignment moment. We shared some of the prophetic words that she had for the state of Minnesota. We had never met her before. On a Saturday night, I shared some of the words that she had released in history, the 20-year-old words, some 30-year-old words that had been given to the state of Minnesota. And I shared them and said, church, this is who we are. This is what we're going after. And on Tuesday, the next Tuesday, three days away, right? That was Saturday night, and it's Sunday, Monday. On Tuesday, I got a phone call from Cindy Jacobs' assistant saying that cindy was in town and she didn't have a place to speak on saturday night would we like to host her talk about when you honor the prophet in the name of a prophet you get a prophet's reward we literally just valued and honored what had been released in the past and the lord made sure then that she showed up total god moment and she could share her perspective on that but it was it was absolutely ground shaking for us because when she began to talk she began to talk about the harvest She began to talk about the next Jesus people movement. One time she came and she talked about a building that we needed to build. And so we took that word to heart and began to work on a plan. And as many of you know, in 2019, the world was about to change. The close of that year was coming very fast, and the Holy Spirit said if you're going to build, it's now or never. You got to get out there and dig a hole. And so we just made the, the risky move of committing to it, and we're moving forward. And as many of you know, 2020 began to shut the door on all construction. Good thing that God had us go when we needed to go because we had ordered all the materials, all the contracts were in, and so all the prices were locked as well. It's God. And you're now sitting in a miracle as well as you're sitting in the fulfillment of prophetic word that our good friend Cindy Jacobs brought to us (laughs) Church I hope you're ready because we're entering into a new season this there is a there is a transition in the days that we are living in right now and we're pressing in listening looking to hear the word of the Lord are you with me this morning and so I'm asking that you turn up your honor I'm asking that you lean in to hear what the Father's saying to us as a community, but also for your lives as well, because the Lord is here today. Are you alive? Yes. All right. Now here at the house we give we give as rowdy of a welcome as we possibly can. And so I'm gonna ask that you jump to your feet and that you give an absolutely obnoxious welcome to our good friend Mike and Cindy Jacobs.
1: Guys, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> hey, this guy, follow me up here. The love of my life, please be seated. Mike my my Jacobs will be married 49 years this year. I right? will too. And you've been married that long too, yeah. Oh, brother. For <laughs> years too. He's gonna share first.
2: I just want to share something briefly. You know, I always get to share briefly because I'm married to a prophet, and prophets get like long words. I get a word, and it's a word. And Remember, God, I have a God microphone has to too, Jacobs. It, unpack it for me. <laughs> and so, first service, I was sitting there before you started singing that raucous song about dry bones rattling, before that, the Lord gave me one word, Ezekiel. And he said, this is an Ezekiel church. Now, let me unpack that a little for you. When Jesus came to the earth, it says he came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. These people were already of the house of israel but they were dead spiritually okay they had their bones all in place but they were dead spiritually and so jesus sends out at one point sends out the 70 into the places where it says where he was going to come and he said here's what i want you to do i want you to function in the supernatural i want you to do signs wonders miracles heal the sick raise the dead and when they went out and did that breath came to the dry bones of Israel and it caused the principality that was over the geographic area where they were to fall like lightning revival is a byproduct of the supernatural the supernatural must set the context for your discipleship. No supernatural, no breath. Okay? And so it's interesting. This facility is kind of a, a type of the bones have come together, right? They even talk about architecture in terms like that. But the thing that sets us apart is not the structure. Is that when people come here, they get the breath. And the breath is fresh every moment of every day. So that means when you come in here, if you need a fresh infusion of the breath of God, it's here. But the reason God wants you to come in and get the bones all together and get the breath is that when you go out, the supernatural walks out of the doors of this church. And when you encounter people, when you have the supernatural flowing through you, you get an acts chapter five Christianity where, when the word gets out that there's a people, who walk and live and breathe the supernatural people will want to get in proximity to you because they know that in proximity to you that the supernatural that they need to happen in their life is going to happen because you carry the breath that they need in their dead bodies amen so that's what ezekiel was about right It wasn't enough to pull the bones together and the sinew together and have the human body come back into place the Lord said that's not enough call for the breath and you're in a facility where I would expect and should expect that there is always a swirl in the spirit realm and it's a swirl of the breath of God giving you fresh life every time you step in here so that when you go out you take it with you
1: let's give it up for mike jacobs hey that's really good michael well congratulations on your beautiful building come on give yourself a hand I mean, it's so lovely. And I just went in the prayer room. Lots of room for prayer in there. What's that mean? You're going to have a lot of people that pray. Very exciting. I I don't know if I prophesied, but I think I did about House of Prayer and you being House of Prayer and, and, you know, the 24-hour prayer. And I'm saying it is all manifesting. And by the way, I told First Service, it's very rare for me to ask to preach somewhere. Okay, extremely rare, you know, so uh, uh, especially for a local church, you know, because I do stadiums, you know, stuff like that. You know, we just came back from Europe, and we met with the leaders of the leaders, you know, everywhere we went. And so, but every once in a while, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost just grabs me. And something, I don't know, something you guys did over here, probably, you know, Pastor Jamie and all his, you know, praying over all those words, and the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to grab Cindy Jacobs, I'm just going to throw her in that mix, you know. (laughs) And so, that is so fun. And, and I love all the young people here. I'll try not to be boring, you know. <laughs> it's a pressure on you, you know, when there's youth in the crowd. You know, when you're 70, there you feel the that a little bit, okay, you know, because um, you don't want the, your generation gap to show. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to preach a little bit different sermon this time, but it's going to mirror what I preach in first service, so... You have to get the first service if you want to get the full picture of the second service. And so, that's okay with me. All right. Uh, let me pray, uh, prophesy over Jamie and Nicole Pastors. Come up here, please, and let's get the Word of the Lord. Come on, give it up. Give it up. <laughs> what do you want to do? Come up. Yeah. It's your house. I mean, your house, literally your house. <laughs> You guys, I hope you know how blessed you are. I'm sure you do, but you're very blessed, you know. Not everybody has the open heavens you have here. I mean, I walked in the door and I looked at Pastor Jamie. I was like, wow. I mean, it was amazing. Sparkly gold glitter just started appearing on me. I don't know if anybody has that. I'm like... I'm shaking it off and I'm looking there. There it is again. The guys are teasing me about it. You know, it's like, what's the respect for the aged? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Whew. Well the Lord says you're moving into the Abraham and Sarah. Who father and mother of nations. And yes, you have a picture literally in your own family, but the Lord says, I'm going to give you many sons and daughters, many, many. You know, and I prophesied about the missions movement and the first service, but the Lord says, you're going to begin to plant churches. The word the Lord showed me was multiplication. Well, wow, multiplication. And the Lord just says that, I mean, I literally see You connecting. It's like all across the Twin Cities area, I see all these dots getting connected. And the Lord says, you're going to saturate this area. It's going to be saturation. Uh, Oh, wow. And, And, you know, I see all these connections. Connect, 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 connect. I get the word connect. The Lord says, I'm getting ready to connect. Even some little groups of people, they didn't know where they belong. This would be a drive for them. But the Lord says, get ready to connect. I see some satellite connections that God is going to give you. And and the Lord just says, be prepared because these are going to be containers for harvest. And as the harvest comes, and it's going to come so fast and so many, you must prepare the discipleship centers for the harvest. And the Lord says, I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to give you a vision of what this looks like. And the Lord says, daughter, I am also calling you to the nations. And I know you got a lot of babies to take care of. But the Lord says, I'm going to work this out. And because the Lord says, you are mother to the nations. Mother to the nations. And the Lord says, there's seasons, there's seasons of life. But the Lord says, you're moving into a new era and a new season. And the Lord says, daughter, not only does your husband prophesy, but I have given you that seer gift. I've given you the gift of discernment. You are very discerning. You are a watchman for this house, and you see things, and you know things. And the Lord says, I'm going to allow you to teach on this. I'm going to allow you to share on this. And the Lord says, you are also going to, n- oh, n- English, come on, let's get some English, network the networks. And the Lord just says to you, prepare, prepare. The Lord says, I'm going to show you the timing and the way. And the Lord says, there's going to be a family revival that comes to this house. And you are going to build the family altar. I see that in the the different mountains of our spheres of influence, I'm calling you to the family mountain. And the Lord says, you're going to see that you're going to be able to train the mothers of nations. You're going to be able to train those who I have called, says the Lord, to be those that are raising up the giants of the faith. And even from your own family, there's going to be giants of the faith, says the Lord. The Lord. And I promise you this, I promise you this, that I'm going to do that with your children and your children's children, giants of the faith, says the Lord. <laughs> Whoa. Oh man, that's very strong up here. Amen. What a great word. And the Lord says, build the family altar, for I'm going to bring family revival. And the Lord says, there's some of your relatives that are not saved, or maybe family members that are prodigals, but the Lord says, get ready, because you're gonna build an altar of prayer for families. And many will come to the Lord. And I see in the revival of the youth that's coming, I'm going to start saving youth, and they're the only person in their family to be saved. Is there anybody here? You're the only person in your family to saved? Anybody here? Stand up. If you're the only person in your family to be saved, stand up, I want to pray for you. Only person. Okay, and in the back, I see that. I see some of you. Yeah. Well, Father, I thank you. These represent the family revival. And the Lord says, you're going to begin a whole tribe. And the Lord says, I'm going to touch your families. So you just receive this word, says the Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This guy kind of in the denim. You can sit down and sit with this guy. This guy kind of in the denim shirt. The Lord just shows me that God is going to open doors for you in the music industry. And, and uh, is that a good word? Do you like that one? yeah yeah and 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 the lord just says to you that you are very fervent I mean you're not like halfway anything I mean you're a hundred percent on fire a hundred percent I mean you got that gift of evangelism that but the lord says I'm going to send you out into Areas where other people are not reaching, I'm going to open doors for you in those areas, doors of influence and doors of favor, and the Lord says, you're going to win them for Jesus, amen? <laughs> That's a good word. You're welcome. Okay, where's Q? Josiah? Where'd you go, Josiah? I've been talking to you right up here. Josiah, there you are. Now you know you're a revivalist, don't you, Josiah? Yeah. And the Lord says, I'm gonna give you so many souls. And I see the enemy has fought against you. You've had some really serious battles. But the Lord says, you are mine. I went after you, I pursued you, says the Lord. And the Lord says, now you're going to pursue others. And God says, you're going to put your feet in the nations. I see particularly Latin America will open for you. Uh, Mexico and and the Spanish-speaking nations. And I don't know if, you're gonna, if you've ever looked at Spanish as a language, but the Lord says, take a look. Because God says, you're going to go to orphanages. I see you going to out-of-the-way villages. And even leave as the missions, I prophesied about missions and a missions movement here. And the Lord says, all of you prepare. Because God says, I'm going to send you into the nations. I'm going to send you to the orphans. I'm going to send you to the poor. I'm going to send you to the needy. You're going to marry righteousness and justice. The Lord says this will be a church that understands justice and the message of justice is the Lord. So God bless Josiah, the revivalist. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Is that your mom? Yeah, I can tell. And your dad, yeah, they the one's crying on the second row, yeah, and the other one crying the other. One, you can always tell it's like instant cry, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Whew. Now this guy sitting next to the with the heart on your t-shirt, next to the guy in blue denim, this guy, you stand up. You dude are a leader of leaders. I'm telling you, wow. You're going to be one that's like a provoker of others. You know, you're going to be one that says things and and you mean it. And you can't, I mean, there's no gray area, okay? It's black or it's white, okay? You know, either people are in or they're out. And the Lord says, you're going to be part of this team that I see. You know, I talked about the God Squad first service, but you're going to be part of this team. Team, I see you networking with some other young people here, and you're gonna go after God. I mean, you're gonna be so passionate to go after God, and and you know, like you're gonna leave other people in the dust if they don't go after God. But the Lord just says, how many souls do you want? I mean, because it's harvest time, and you're gonna be at the leading edge of that movement. I, I like that word. That's a real. That's a. Just say yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes, 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 yes. Woo! Austin, come here, Austin. Woo! Austin, God wrecked you in the first service. I watched you get wrecked. Austin, it's your time. It's your time. The Lord says, how many souls do you want? How many souls do you want? The Lord says, I'm going to open the door to Egypt to you. I'm going to open up the Isaiah 19 highway to you from Egypt to Assyria, to Israel. The Lord says you're going to have great influence in Israel, in the nation of Israel. And the Lord says that I am getting ready to to do some new things. I mean, some things you've done, yes, you've done great things, but nothing like you're going to do, says the Lord. The Lord says, in this coming season I have need of you even in a greater way. And you're going to know miracles and miracles and miracles. And signs." And wonders and signs and wonders. So, Father, I just pray, thank you, right now. Right now. Everybody say now. Now. Ahora. That's Spanish. Ahora mismo. Right now. Thank you, Lord. You are on fire, my brother. You are on fire. You are on fire. Thank you, Lord, for this revival fire. This revivalist. Thank you, Lord. There's some of your own wells you're going to dig, Austin. You go back and you think of some times I've touched you and times I've talked to you. So, Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Oh, are you burning, brother? (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Oh. Mike, I thought you were going to talk about the prayer room. Do you you want to talk about the prayer room at CF and I? You kind of mentioned it. Nope, you want me to? Uh, Yeah, yeah, the prayer room is the power generating plant for what God said he's going to do. When you you have a generator there, you know, that prayer room, uh, it's like a nuclear power plant. You know, and you get in there and you start burning it. You let, the, as Leviticus 6, it says, the fire and the altar shall be kept burning continually. That's symbolic for prayer. And, you know, I, I remember that uh, uh, Mike and I moved back from Colorado Springs to Dallas. We live in the Dallas area uh, some years ago. And uh, the, Lord, the Lord had given a prophecy over Dallas that we were, that uh, it's in a book called Glory by Ruth Ward Heflin. I don't know if you've heard her, but if not, read her books. You know, they're amazing. And uh, uh, she prophesied that Dallas would be the epicenter of the last and great revival. And we've had a lot of revivals, but you know, if we were going to be the epicenter, then we need to make it happen. So we moved back and, uh, I'm very close with Christ for the Nations, you know, and all that gang over there, close friends for, you know, like 40 years. And, uh, but I said, would you give us a room to pray for 40 days, day and night? And we had 40 days of worship and 40 days of prayer. It's actually in the charismatic history books. Now, this is what happened. And then we ended it with 10 nights of miracles and we just had every kind of miracle you can imagine. And it was really glorious. Anyway, but, you know, we had people from 60 nations flew in, 100 churches in the Dallas area, and we did worship. Like every three hours, we changed a worship team, and we prayed every healing scripture in the Bible. You know, and we had these, these standards we put up in the room. One was for the least likely to get saved. Okay, the hardest cases. And so people brought their pictures of their loved ones. And the other was, you know, the people that most needed deliverance, you know, addiction, um, every kind of thing, you know, so people put their pictures there, you know, and, and then we have, we had a, a third one for the terminally ill, you know, people that just, you know, sometimes you have to soak it in prayer, and you have to contend for uh, miracles, say yes, okay, you have to contend for miracles, and then The fourth one, we had all the wells of revival. Listen, I forgot the name of it, but there's a book on revival in Minnesota. I prophesied this guy would write, Dale somebody. And and it's a wonderful book. There's been many revivals. Did you know that Minnesota had a revival of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues before Azusa Street? Seriously. You, You are a well. And maybe you don't even know, what do I mean by that? I mean, wonderful things have happened, great things. Of course, the Jesus people movement that was here and all that, and you're, you know, you're a well of that, you know. But, but God wants to do some great and usual things. So we started getting some worship leaders. I don't know if you've heard of this young guy, Rick Pino. Anybody? He wrote "Raise Up at Army. Well, Rick was just graduating from CFNI, and and, uh, um, uh, he was just starting to nothing, so he slept in his van, and um, he'd shower in a buddy's room, and he'd come lead worship for us. I mean, if we had nobody show up for the worship set, he'd take the 12 to 6 a.m. or whatever, and out of that, God gave him songs. God gave him so many songs, and, you know, it just popped off the chart, but he says that was his roots, and so all to say is this prayer room that you have, God is going to make it very unique. No more prayer as usual. If you want to have revival, you can't have prayer as usual. You have to turn up the burner. You have to turn up the fire. And so I want to say to you that, you know, if you want to see change happen, then you've got to turn up the fire. And so what happened is we prayed those 40 days. After a while, we'd put somebody's picture up there. They'd get healed while we put their picture up, or they get saved. Their mother or father would bring that picture, and when they put it up on the board, I mean, we actually had some of these people that we were gonna pray for run into the room and say, I have to be saved. Because we just burned it day and night and night and day, and the miracles were just incredible. You know, Christ is the big auditorium. And, you know, we had Steve Hill. You may not know. He was at the Brownsville Revival. We had Claudio Frazen. Yeah, I don't know if you know who Maldonado is. He has a 20,000-member church in Miami. We're going to be there soon uh, with him. But, you know, God, every night more miracles happen. So finally, so many, they said never in their history had so many people been on that campus. We took 88 billboards. Uh, uh, we took 88 you know, um, you know, advertisements in movie theaters all across the city. We did billboards, you know, about Want a Miracle. We did ads in the Dallas Morning News. I mean, we filled the Dallas area with miracles, and it worked. I mean, We couldn't, it took so many hours waiting for the testimonies. Finally, we just stopped taking testimonies. We were tired. We couldn't, you know, a thousand or more were turned away. I want to say something. If you want to see a word happen, you got to work it. You got to work the word. Okay, you can't just decide. Listen, there's no microwave revivals. It's something that you have to work at. You know, I was sharing with the first service that we just came back, we were in Warsaw, Poland. And uh, uh, it was very interesting, I'll tell you this, they've had two and a half million refugees and there are no refugee camps in Poland. The UN went to check out the camps. They took all those people into their homes. It was just incredible, you know? And so, you know, we were meeting with a lot of refugees and pastors uh, that had fled and heard a lot of horrible stories you know, but I want to say those Ukrainian pastors, they are on fire. They are burning. I mean, you know, they're going out shooting bullets in the day and come back having revival at night. It's all men, you know, because the women are pretty much gone. It's just amazing. So I came back on fire. So if you wanted something like boring, bless me service, you're going to have to go another time because not in this church, there's no boring, bless me services. So Yeah, not in this church. There's no boring, bless me services. I want to talk to you about revival and reformation, okay? Because if you have revival and you don't have reformation, the society just decays. So God wants to marry the two. Now, God is putting out an invitation for you. Listen to me. You can decide we're going to do that. We're going to be the ones that changed the region. And you know, and so you can't just skate along and go to church here, all right? You know, you just can't be boring. You just can't come, you know, and and we have to get over those little petty rejections. Listen, if you're gonna be a pioneer, rejection is your daily bread. There's always gonna be somebody that hates what you're doing. There's always gonna be haters. So you just got to be a really big lover because there's always going to be haters. I first prophesied when I was four years old. I prophesied the birth of my little sister Lucy who used to live here. And Pastor Jamie and and Nikki, they knew her. She was a great gal. She passed away. Oops, I feel a little sad a moment. I'll be okay in just a second. Anyway, um, but um, you know, I mean, we, we studied Minnesota. We studied the revival here. You know, there, there, there's all kinds of things that have happened here. And so I, as I prophesied over Minnesota, I prophesied revive, Minnesota Revival State. So anyway, I prophesied. I went to my mother when I was four. I really remember this. I'm a very strange person. I was a very strange child. Anyway, uh, I went to my mother and said, I'm going to have a little baby sister. And my mother says, no, you're not. Daddy was graduating from seminary. There was no more kids. She gave me that mother look, you know, they do, and patted me on the head and said, no, we're not having any more babies. But she was pregnant. I can't tell and then my little sister came and I soaked it for all it's worth. You know, you could have been born with rejection and feeling abandonment, but no, your big sister was there ahead of you, fighting for you. You have to buy me shoes and chocolate. You know, I just soaked it for all it's worth. So, so like when I was, I remember when I was 12, I would have dreams of people going to hell. You know, night after night. I want to tell you hell is very real and we don't want anybody to go there, okay? And so, you know, I I would I would smell the smells of, you know, flesh burning off people and like then their flesh would come back on them and you know, I'd hear the screams and I determined that on my watch, nobody was going to hell if I could help it. You know, that every person I saw, I was gonna tell them about Jesus. When I was nine years old, I went to church camp and the Lord called me to preach. But I had a problem. My denomination didn't believe women could preach. We could only be missionaries. So I don't know what happened, you know. When you go on the mission field, women can preach, but not in America. You know, I never figured that one out. But But anyway, um, you know, so I dedicated my life to preach the gospel and to go on the mission field. And then, you know, I went along, Mike and I got married, and it seemed like nothing was happening. And I turned 30 years old, and I remember saying to my pastor's wife, I mean, I was leading worship, I was doing children's church, I was doing a lot of teaching, but I hadn't really preached. And I remember telling my pastor's wife, and I rarely give this testimony, but I remember telling her... I guess God didn't want to do anything with my life. <laughs> I actually thought he called me to nations. <laughs> now I've been to more than 100 nations. But, but I, I want to say to you, why am I telling you these stories? Because God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. God has something for you to do, and he will not be able to do it if we don't do it even together. All right? When my daddy died, when my daddy died, there was one message in his Bible on revival. And there was one passage, Psalm 85, 6, will you not revive us again? And you know what? There was something that jumped on me. Watch it, because I intend to splash all over you. I'm just letting you know that. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be tampered with. Huh? There is a plot and a plan for the platform. Okay. So, you know, so, so when daddy died, you know, he really wanted to go to the nations. But, oh, tell this story. Okay. Um, you know, daddy really wanted to go to the nations, but, um, you know, he applied, and I won't tell the whole thing, is, but he was denied getting to go to the nations, all right, by our denomination. So Daddy didn't get to do that. He didn't get to do the missions kind of he wanted to do. And he died at 49, dropped dead. But guess who's doing it for him? There was a mantle there that had fallen down, and I picked it up. So why I'm telling you this is, is that God wants to do something unique here. And I prophesied first service that you would be the awakeners. God would use you for awakening. And so there's an invitation mat out there. And so if we have revival, I've been in all these revivals. I mean, I've been in the Argentine revival. I've been in revivals where nations were shaken, but they lost it. And their government went extreme socialist and they were captured by that. But it will not be so. I believe that God is raising up an army from the house. God is doing something from the ecclesia and you are going to be part of this and God is gonna use you to awaken a nation for Jesus. God wants nations to be saved. You know, one time I was in Guatemala and, you know, I don't know if you've seen these transformations videos, but Mike and I taught in these nations where they made these transformations videos. And uh, I was with my friend, Harold Caballeros so one of those, and he was in from Guatemala and he had a big school, you know, private Christian school. And I was walking around the campus and I said, what do you teach these kids? What do you teach a six-year-old? And he quoted this scripture, Revelation 21, 24 to 26. He said, and the nations of those who are saved, saved nations, shall walk in its light and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night and they bring the glory and honor of nations into it. Nations that are saved. He said, our calling is to teach these kids that Guatemala will be a saved nation. Then, when the name of Guatemala is called before the throne of God, we will stand up and say, we present to you the honor and glory of our nation. Can we say that for America? Can we say that for Minnesota? I prophesied that Minnesota would be a pro-life state. A few people looked at me like... That would be a miracle, okay. Impossible is not in the Christian dictionary. God is just waiting for someone who will light the fuel. You know the story of the Moravian revival, some of you, how there was a hundred year old prayer meeting. Well, one day I was driving around Czechoslovakia at that time, it's Czech Republic now, and uh, I said, is Moravia close to here? Can we go there? And we just buzzed over there. And we got there, and we met the last remaining sole survivor of the 100-year prayer meeting, Christian winner. And we went over, and, you know, these, these the, the, not only did they pray, they decided if, they, if, they, if anybody worked, they had to be prayer going on while they worked. So they prayed 24 hours. And then God began to speak to them about the nations, that they should go to nations. And they're really, the belief system at that time in the church, one of the many dumb things, you know, we had believed, was if God wanted the nations and and the, you know, the savages that he said to be saved, he would just supernaturally visit them. Nobody had to go. I don't know how they read the Great Commission, but they just didn't believe it. But these Moravians were so fervent that they even sold themselves as slaves to go to St. Thomas in the Caribbean because they were closed nations and people couldn't get in. I mean, some of these missionaries would go and they would take a coffin with them because they knew this side of heaven, they would never come home alive. So they packed their goods in coffins and they would go to these nations, and they would burn. And, you know, so I was there, and and Christian prayed for me for that Moravian fire. Well, why not have it here at the house? Why not have that Moravian fire? Why not light the altar that the fire will never go out? I want to tell you something. God is well able to do that. Christian Winner said, would you like to see where the missionaries are buried? I didn't know what to think. We go walking up the hill and uh, to a place they call God's Acre. God's Acre is where they would bring the missionaries' bodies home after they died. So I went to this place. The guy who founded Count Zinzendorf was there. But I began to walk down reading headstones, and everyone had a nation engraved on it trinidad you know just you know all the nations that they went to and then we went to another part of the cemetery see when their children would be you know when they were like six and they need to go to school they would send them back to hern hut to be educated and sometimes they'd send them when they were babies because uh, I told in the first service how, you know, most of, many of the missionaries would die within six months because they'd get malaria and they'd die. So to protect their children, they'd send them back. So we went to another part of the cemetery, and I began to walk down gravestones, and I saw names of nations engraved on those stones. And I said, what are these stones? And they said, these are the children who went in their parents' place. When the bodies of their parents were brought home, they went in their stead. You know, listen, we are so earthbound that we do not understand eternity. We do not understand that there is a price to pay for Jesus. Jesus paid it all. He didn't say, well, let's see, you know, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to work half time. And, you know, I'm going to take a little comp time here. No, he was at it 100%. And he gave that. Listen, Dietrich Bonhoeffer called this costly grace. It costs something to serve Jesus Christ. And somehow, you know, we can get caught up in watching prime videos or this or that, you know, and we lose our way, we kind of lose our fire, we kind of lose our focus. So I have determined that, I, you know, you probably know I'm a revival junkie, I'm a revivalist. And so I was in Wales one time and I wanted to go where this guy Evan Roberts. Anybody heard of Evan Roberts? A Welsh revival. Evan Roberts had a vision. I think he was like 27. That he wanted to win 100,000 souls for Jesus. Now you understand this. I mean, I'm thinking about even 40 years ago. We had no internet. We wanted to do a meeting. You know, you had to you had to just send something in the mail. I mean, there really wasn't ways, you know, I mean, we take out full-page ads and charisma or something, you know, but there wasn't what we have today. But in those days, they really didn't have any of that. And so there were two young girls that got touched by God from a place called New Key, Wales. And so they went to this little prayer meeting where this young Evan Roberts was, and you know, uh, and they began to share how Jesus had touched them. Very simple. The power of God fell on Evans. And I had been to where he was in this little tiny chapel. And the power of God hit him. And they had like a wooden, you know, this pew would be here and kind of a wooden stand in front of their pew. And the power of God picked him up and knocked him over that stand. And he fell flat on the floor and sobbing. Saying, bend me, God. And he had such a holy conscience. I read a letter that he wrote, and it said in that letter, he said, I remember that I borrowed a book from you some five years ago, and I never returned it. You see, do we have a tender heart? That when we displease God, or we don't keep our word, that the Holy Spirit can convict us and speak to us. It's not legalism, it's called holiness. And God wants to do that here. The word revival is actually a word, it means to live or return, to awaken, a renewal of fervency. It means to rekindle a fire. I have come today to set myself on fire, to be a burning one, to stir you up and say, Why are we living a dumb, old, boring life when Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, died on the cross and paid the ultimate price so we can be free? What do we have to bring to Jesus? Very simple message. What do we have? You know, I make these outrageous promises to God. One time I was... uh, I, you know, I, I, have a, I have a burden for the Middle East, okay? You know, all these people say, you know, Jesus is coming soon, and I'm, like, raising my hand. Not without the Middle East. Not without the Middle East, you know. Yes, Meredith, and Jesus come, but not without the Middle East. You know, I'm, I'm telling him how many unreached people groups there are yet. And, you know, we have, this, we have this tug of war going, you know, in my soul. And, um, you know, so anyway, I told God one year, I want to bring a million people to the kingdom in the Middle East. Now, you know, you make these rash promises to God and you're just kind of under the anointing. And then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, now I have to really do that. Okay. The anointing kind of lifts and you're thinking what you just said, okay, you know. And so anyway, so I'm like going, okay. I can go to Waziristan or Pakistan. You know, I've been to some of the Pakistan, these wild places doing meetings. And you know, and I, I'm like thinking, okay, how many people could I get in one meeting? You know, I know a friend that gets, you know, hundreds of thousands, you know, okay, I could do here. And the Lord said, no, 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 you have to have television. You have to do it with media. Cause you could get millions just listening, right? And media say, yes, it's true. Okay, all right. So, you know, we were on television. But we weren't in television in Arabic. We first went on in Russian and we went on in all these languages. And there's a story behind every language. But anyway, so I said, okay, I have to go on Arabic television. We have to. So I began to decree we're going to go on television in Arabic. I don't know anybody with television in Arabic. But I mean, I tell people, oh yeah, we're preparing to go on television in Arabic. Not a you know nothing on the horizon, you know. So one night, a friend of mine, Benny Him, was doing this meeting in Dallas, and his wife Suzanne said, "Come on over and hang out with us." So I went over. It was great. And so uh, it was about one in the morning. We're leaving the Gaylord Texan this big facility, and this guy's just walking right beside me. His name's George, and I was with my buddy. And and so he goes, "You know, hi, my name's George." We introduce ourselves. And uh, I said, what do you do? And he says, oh, I have an Arabic television channel <laughs> out of Lebanon. You know, I'm trying to be very cool. I mean, inside I'm going, yes, this is it. I'm going to do it, you know. But I said, oh, yes, that's wonderful. And <laughs> I want to freak the guy out, you know. And then, then he, the second thing he says is, do you have a television show? I'm like going, yes, yes, yes. You know, I said, well, yes, we do. He said, would you like to go on television, you know, in Arabic? Texas, we say, well, do dogs have fleas? I mean, yeah, of course I want to go on in television in Arabic. And so we did. I mean, and listen, so much so, I decided, I don't know why I'm just telling you testimonies, tell but I decided... I heard God say, I want you to go to Iraq during the Iraq war to pray. And I want you to get closest to ancient Nineveh as you can, which is Mosul. Okay. So I'm so excited. You know, I, I know. I don't want therapy for it. I just love this call to the nations. Okay. So, so anyway, so, um, so anyway, we went to Iraq. I might tell you a story of that in a minute, but we're going in the hotel and this guy at the front just starts shouting, Movie stars are here, movie stars are here, because they were listening to our show in Arabic, in Iraq, in the middle of a war. Come on, we're so tactical. We do this and no, God is a strategist. We gotta come up higher. We had to determine, we could do more. I don't know what you think your capacity is, but why do we sing these songs about, I want more, Lord, I want more, and you don't do more? And it's so fun. I mean, you know, we, just, uh, uh, we didn't know anybody in Iraq, and so I, you know, I said, Mike, come on. Go to Iraq with me. There were a couple other buddies who were going to go. One by one, they said, we'll give you money, but we're not going to that war, you know, essentially. And so Mike goes, well, honey, we've been married. He named the number of years, you know. And and if you're going to go die in Iraq, I may as well die with you. I said, Jacobs, we are not going to die. We're going to go over there. We're going to pray. And we're going to come home, okay? We're going to go shift the war. The Lord showed me what to pray near Nineveh. Of course, at the time, they were chopping all these Christians' heads off in Mosul, you know, so it was a little dangerous. But I don't know what it is about me. I just, the spicier it gets, you know, I was just like, yes, Jesus, I'm just loving that. It. It's like going to Poland, you know, when in any day World War III could break out. I'm so excited. You know, my friends think I am nuts. Anyway, be nuts for Jesus. Uh, so we're about to land in Iraq. Okay, it was midnight, we had preached in Kuwait, we preached in Jordan, you know, and then, so it was late at night, we had an Egyptian translator there for Arabic, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking out the window, they asleep, but I'm going into Iraq, you think I'm going to be asleep? Not on your life, you know. And so, you know, we're about to land. And I noticed the airplane, instead of, you know, kind of how airplanes land, it just was going like that. I thought that was unusual. And so I said to the nice flight attendant, I said, "Um, why are we doing that? You know, take that trajectory. And this lady said, without, you know, like missing a beat, oh, that's so they don't shoot us down. They can't sight their artillery that fast. (laughs) I tell you, the devil jumped on me. Like, you know, fear. I mean, Satan was saying, and you know, Mike didn't even want to come on this journey. (laughs) Then he only came, you know, because, you know, you didn't have somebody else to go, and he loves you, and and that guy over there, the Egyptian, he has little children, you know, and all of a sudden... You know what? It pays to put the word of God inside of you because the scripture just popped up, bubbled up. And all of a sudden, right on that plane, I said, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. We were gonna go in, we're gonna accomplish our mission, and we're gonna come out. Come on, hallelujah, we did. I'm here. And not only that, when you follow Jesus and you follow, you know, you do that one little thing. And then there's a second thing and a second thing. You know, Mike says, you know, he doesn't know if he likes this, but sometimes God tricks you, okay? You know, I mean, you don't know that it's going to be such a big thing he's asking you to do. I mean, like, okay, just break ground for that building, <laughs> you know. But you don't know. Then you got to find a lot of money and then you got to blood, sweat, and tears, you know, but, but it pays to serve God and in the timing. So, you know, when we were going into Iraq, um, there was like five of us and, and we realized at the customs area, which is very dark, very small and very dark and very oppressed then none of us had a visa to go to Iraq because the State Department said, don't go, it's too dangerous. So anyway, a friend right in front of us got to talking to this tall guy, and this tall tall guy uh, said, look, when you get to the customs gate, tell them, he said, I'm special operations, tell them that you don't need a visa, nor does anybody with you. What are we going to do? You know, like, so we push our, our, our passport in the picture and they just look at us and just push her right back out. And so we got out, you know, very shortly and we looked around. There was no tall guy. God sent an angel to get us into a wreck. Now, you might say, well, you're Cindy Jacobs, but I wasn't always Cindy Jacobs. You understand, I began somewhere to serve Jesus. I just got a hold of God. And if you know my story, you know that when I was a young woman, you know, my kids were little, my babies were little, and, you know, they'd go down for a nap, and I'd go down on my knees beside my bed. And I started praying for nations. Prayed for one nation after that. I started crying. You know, you, the carpet would be wet, you know. Listen, if you're a real intercessor, you need to learn to suck rug. you got to learn to be face down sometimes and eat carpet, eat rug, you know. And so, you know, and so when God opened the door radically for me for Argentina, I was just in my late 30s, and I went... And when I landed there in Argentina, they said, the leader of the Baptist church said, no woman has ever been received in this country before, and don't think you will be either. That was not good news. (laughs) And I remember that night we knelt down by our bed, Peter Wagner's wife and I, we knelt down. And we say, God, you heard what they said. My first inclination was to say, why did you send me here? They don't like women preachers. But then I said, God, give me the anointing I need. And such favor came upon me as I preached that by the time we left, all the Christian newspapers were doing reports. The Christian television was doing reports. And when I left, that same pastor said to me, you have such extreme favor in this country, don't leave us into apostasy because we will follow you where you go. Come on, somebody, just follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus. One of my radical prayers, and then I'm going to pray for you. One of my radical prayers as a young mother on my knees. I would say to God, you know, I'd pray for Argentina. I'd pray for these nations. I, I went there on my knees first. you understand that? I earned that on my knees, crying out to God. And I would say, I mean... I would pray the wildest, most audacious prayers. And I know you are a wild group. Can I say that? I keep thinking, like I've been preaching in Minnesota about 30 years. I remember Minnesotans then, and I don't know who you people are, but (laughs) you're not that Minnesota nice crowd I used to preach to. I don't know. You are rowdy. So I would preach, and I mean, I'd pray, and I pray and I'd say God I know other people want to be used for revival but I to preach this kind of sermon on a Sunday morning. (sighs) But I know you're rowdy. But anyway, but I said I've been in all these revivals and I can smell a revival. You know, I know what, there's a rumbling in the heavens. The house church, you're, you're making a rumbling. You're stirring things up. The gospel is disruptive to Satan's kingdom. I always say this, does hell know your name? Today I know. As the worship team will come, today I know this. I know that I am marking some of you. Doesn't matter how old you are. I had a friend named Eleanor Workman, an African-American businesswoman. When she retired from the business sector 65, she went to Haiti to start an orphanage. She didn't know anybody in Haiti. But there was a call. And she started the most amazing orphanage. I know she came and spoke for a women's conference we had one time, I was carrying her suitcase. And I said, Eleanor, this suitcase is so light. And she says, yes, I don't have any clothes in there. She says, I give them all away before I come. And then God just fills them up. Because I know she had to speak the next day, so we had to be fast about this. <laughs> Will there be faith in this generation when the Lord comes? Yeah. Will we be found faithful? Yeah. I want to mark every single one of you. My point is, it doesn't matter if you're six or 80, it doesn't matter. One last story. And I'll- pray. Mike and I were at the Sunday revival, and you know, share a little bit about that first service. Will Smith Wigglesworth was, and John Wesley in the North. They called it the Fire in the North of England, and and uh, yeah, we were there praying and and you know, prophesying, and God began to just move in extraordinary ways, and. This was some years ago, and I said, is there anyone here? You were in the Wigglesworth Revival. You'd have to be pretty old. And they said, oh, yeah, what old man is in the overflow room? We had, I don't know, we had about 5,000 there. I don't know, many, many pastors from Europe. And they said, the good news is gold dust is falling in piles, though, in the overflow room. So I said, would you get him? And he came. Little wizened man, you know, he had bandages on him, you know, on his arms and stuff. And I said, Were you in the Wigglesworth Revival? He said, Yes. You know, I'm thinking, like, is he gonna fall over any minute? Something, you know. And so he's standing on the platform like this. You know, that skin that's like paper skin, you know, he's standing there. And I said, Would you pray for the pastors? Get that same anointing. Yes. And so we had a bunch of pastors came up to the front. And all of a sudden, this wizened little man, a lion, roars. And he stands up and he goes, and now, God, give that same anointing. They're out in the power. Mike and I, being the smart people we are, knelt down like, put it here. Come on, we want some of that. Come on. Something's moving. There's angels here. Yeah, come on, more Lord. I want to say more Lord. I was in Argentina when that more Lord thing started, okay? I remember when Claudia Fraser just started saying more. How desperate are you? Yeah, more. More, yeah. Yeah. I just feel like the the Lord's just, just looking here saying whom shall i send and who will go i mean go to your neighbor go to the coffee shop go to the nations but go somewhere fishing for the souls of men the word of the lord over this church is you're a church of awakening you're a church of souls and souls and souls you think the the last building wasn't big enough. This is way not big enough for what God is going to do. But you got to be hungry. You got to say, God, pick me. If nobody else goes, you can count on me. Thank you, son. Yes, Lord. There it is. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Do you have catchers in this church? Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, more, more. More. Bring him up here again. Bring him up here. What is your name, son? Stefan. Come on, God's not finished. More, Lord. Yeah, more. Yeah, come on, Josiah. Come here. Come here. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Are you hungry? More, Lord. More, Lord. Jesus. Use him, Lord. Put that revival fire in him. Burn him, Lord. Burn him, Lord. Burn him, Lord. More, Jesus. Let the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire, Lord. Send the fire. Oh, you're a burning one. You're a burning one. You're a burning one. Come on, more, 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 more. More. More fire. There it is. There it is right there. Yeah, it's all over you. Take it. Take it. Let her go down. Let her go down. Let her go down. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Give him tears, God. Give him tears for souls. This is not a game. I can't promise it'll be easy. It might be very, very hard. Give him souls, give him souls. Come on, let's cry out, give us souls, God. Give us souls, I can't hear you. Give us souls, give us souls. Yeah, yes. Nations are calling you, my dear. Nations are calling, yes. <laughs> When God is going to do something, Zion must travail. Zion must travail. Jesus, sometimes God just has to give us tears. There's a fire for miracles and fire for revival. Ah, ah, yeah yeah, Jesus, I want you to turn just take a second and pray for somebody. I just want you to say, come on. Tell your neighbor, use me, wherever you are. You don't have to be up here. Come on, stir us up, God. Stir us up. There's something you can do. I remember a woman came to me. She was a paraplegic. I said, why don't you start writing prisoners, letters to prisoners? And she did in a whole huge ministry grew. There's always something you can do. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me still I will follow.
0: are some here today, You, there's a very clear calling and a sense of purpose in the nations. You feel a calling to the nations, but you have no idea how you're going to get there. There's others who have gone, but resources have dried up and you don't even know how to get back or reaccess what you felt called to. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now, Okay. What you just heard Cindy share was the dream of her father to go, the fulfillment in her own life, and standing here in this place today is the next generation whom that baton really needs to be imparted to. So, Cindy, I just want you to just to lean into this corporately. You release that word, and then there's a response now, and so... If you're called to the nations, you're feeling called to the nations, you gotta reach out and receive right now as we release the word and pray. Like she said, there is a mark. The Lord is marking lives today, and that response is coming from your heart, so.
1: And it doesn't surprise me that so many people would come because the word of the Lord was this is a missions church that I'm gonna send many in and out of this house to the nations of the earth. So he's got to have laborers to send into the harvest field. The word sin in scripture is ekbalo, violently propel you. So I commission you, I anoint you, I mantle you for the next generation. Be mantled to go, be mantled to be sent to be ekbaloed in the name of Jesus. Just receive it by faith. Come on, just say, I take it. I take it, it's mine. Come on, say it verbally. Or maybe you'll be one that prays for them. Or maybe you'll be one that gives. It all has to work together. It all works together. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
0: Wherever you're at right now, would you please reach out? Just put a hand on someone's shoulder that's near you, okay? We're going to do just a a corporate release, a blessing. Leaning into this moment. Parents, moms, and dads, your kids are needing to be picked up, so you can't get too lost in this moment. But at the same time, I don't want you to, if the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, if he's working on your life, right now, you you just take as much time as you need. So Father, right now in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray for one another. Come on, I always want you to pray for that person standing next to you right now. That God would release what is needed in their life. That the grace sufficient for this moment would be unlocked to them. That the strategic relationships and the alignment and connection would come into place. Father, right now, we pray for resources to be unlocked, that each one can answer the call that you're placing on their heart. Holy Spirit, where there have been those who have been, I see the word hamstrung, like you got injured along the way, you got cut along the way and it's prevented you from running. Where there has been those who have been injured through relationship, through betrayal, these things that have kept people from running, Lord, we pray for a healing to come and to touch, that you would touch their lives, Lord, and that you would restore them where the enemy has meant for evil, Lord, that you would empower and use for good. Lord, not only for these in this place, Lord, for our children and our children's children, Lord, we receive that call. We respond, Lord, in faith, Lord, to what you're speaking to us today as a community, as individuals. We say yes. Yes to your will and your ways. Come on, would you just say yes to them? Just respond. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. All right, now I'm not forcing you out, but I do want to bring to close the ministry moment, and then you guys are free to free game to minister to each other as long as you want, okay? We won't lock the building up on you, so you guys can hang out and minister to one another, but I do want to bring a close to this moment, okay? So would you just receive a blessing this morning? Father in heaven, I bless your people. Declare over their lives the full provision and weight, Lord, of the goodness of God. Lord, that your glory is marking their lives. God, that you're going before them to mark the way for them to walk in good works. God, I thank you for this. Now, Lord, I bless them today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he be the one who sets a watch over your life and protects you and keeps you. May the Lord's countenance be upon you, his smile that you would know his favor. May the Lord be gracious to you in these days that you would know what it is like to walk in his goodness and the peace of God that surpasses understanding guard your hearts and your minds that you would advance this kingdom all the days of your life. God, I bless your people today in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord this morning?